Hello and welcome to episode 187 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. As always, joined by fellow co-founder Evan Silva. And it is here, my friends, the 2021 fantasy football season is officially open for business. And I know this because Silva has released his first top 150. It is live on the site right now. Evan, it is a glorious day, my friend. Top 150 is out. It is your birthday. Shout out to you. What's going on? Yeah, just a year closer to to my demise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not, I, I love other people's birthdays. I, 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 I'm not a big fan of my own birthday, but I, I love celebrating other people's birthdays. So, uh, But yeah, the, the top 150 got it out on what Monday and uh, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a rough draft. It's, it's a foundation, you know, just getting it out right after the NFL draft, it's going to be tweaked heavily. You know, I'm, I'm sure Le- well, Leone has already given me his cr- criticisms of it, his math based, his soulless spreadsheet based <laughs> criticisms of the top 150. Um, and we're, you know, we're going to, we're going to tweak it as I go through the team previews as, you know, I start drafting myself um, you know, I, once I have skin in the game, then I'll have a lot more confidence in, um, what I put out there, but I just wanted to get out a foundational top 150. It's going to be tweaked. I, I would not draft off, off of it right now. It's really just more of a conversational piece, but, um, I'd say, you know, in, in, in a few weeks, uh, or so I'll, I'll be ready to draft off it myself. Um, Two things I'll say. First, did you know you share a birthday with Cam Newton? And now, now yes. I know why you, you were defending the COVID yes. fog and, and Cam Newton. Uh, now I know. I yeah, didn't realize he's, that. He, he's a Taurus, just just like me. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I definitely feel a kinship with, with Cam, and I'm sure he does with me as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, second of all, yeah, so our uh, ranking, so you can find on the site Evans 150, you can find top 300 for any format, um, you know, underdog, FFPC, NFFC, anything you want to play, tight end premium, six point for quarterback. And the way that that is done is it blends Evans top 150 with a lot of the projection stuff that we have worked on and Leonia has worked on on the back end. And so that's how all that works. We'll talk more about that soon, though. On today's show, we're going to talk about some what I think will be lightning rods in Silva's first 150. Some players he's higher or lower on than the market right now. We'll debate some outliers, if you will. Before that, wanted to remind everyone of two things. First, as I said, the draft kit is officially live. Rankings for every format. Silva's 150. Dynasty content. Best ball content from Herzig and Leone. Lots more coming. Basically, just everything we think you need to be ready for your draft will be in there. Second, anyone who purchases... The draft kit, which is $34.99, gets a $10 credit to use on Underdog Fantasy. Yes, anyone who purchases the draft kit, whether you have an Underdog account or not, you get the $10 credit. So after you purchase the draft kit, go to the page linked at the top of Silva's Top 150 for Underdog $10 credit, and you'll find instructions there on how to claim it. I think it's a pretty good deal. We're excited about that for this season. Okay, let's get into it. Let's start with some running backs that Silva is off the market on. And the first one is Ezekiel Elliott. Silva has him 18th overall, the RB12, current underdog ADP. Ezekiel is RB7, 8th overall. So pretty far lower than market on Ezekiel Elliott. Evan, I had 
my first instinct was to be low on him like you. I've come around a little bit more, and I'll present a, a, maybe a bull case on Zeke, but let's hear why you're lower than market right now on Zeke. Yeah. Well, I've heard that the people that are drafting right now are doing the same thing that they did last year and just hammering RBs early on. So, you know, and we, we you know, I remember we, we came with the, without, we came out with the initial top 150 last year and we had to tweak it to account for that running back thirst. Mm -hmm. So it is possible that we have to do the same thing this year. Uh, but he, Ezekiel, Elliott, I think right now, even though, gosh, I, I believe in the Cowboys offense so much. I, I, I love the, you know, they're getting so many pieces back that were injured last season. I think the way that Ezekiel Elliott played last year was disappointing. He looked like a player in decline and he was severely outplayed by his teammate, Tony Pollard. Um, so I think that regardless of whether we end up bumping him up a little bit just to adjust for market, which, you know, I, it sounds like we're going to have to do again this year because, I mean, we, we can't have a situation where you're using the top 150 and you're just drafting all receivers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have to get running backs on your, on your squad. Uh, I, I still want to be below market on Ezekiel Elliott because of what we saw last season from him and from Tony Pollard. I mean, Tony Pollard is a baller. I mean, Tony Pollard is a better receiving back than Ezekiel Elliott is. And um, I, I think that you can make it. A, I mean, he's certainly a more dynamic runner with the football as well. Hey, let me give you the other side of Zeke. I mean, I, Zeke is still only 25 years old. And maybe he looked so bad last year because not only was Dak was out, but Tyron Smith was out. Lyle Collins was out. Zach Martin were out. I expect all three of those guys back this year. I mean, they could legit have a top five offensive line again if, and it's a big if, those guys stay healthy. So still only 25 years old, you're getting Dak back, you're getting the offensive line back in elite form. And even in when Dak was healthy last year, I mean, Zeke was productive, 4.8 catches per game. And I know Dak was throwing the ball 60 times in those games, but still 4.8 catches per game, scored six touchdowns. If we think they're going to be among the league leaders in touchdowns scored, I mean, you know, Zeke is going to be among the league leaders in touchdowns scored. So, you know, I, I think it's a bit of a parlay to expect Dak to be back to himself for uh, the offensive line to be back to himself, for Zeke to find rejuvenation, but still just 25 years old. So that would be the bull case for Zeke. I'm not saying I want to be above market on Zeke, but I wouldn't be like completely writing him off right now just as part of this offense. Yeah, and neither neither would I. And that's why I still have him as a second round fantasy pick and as an RB1, yeah. um, but below market right now. Okay. I, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. See how it goes. Let's stay in the NFC East. Miles Sanders, I think, is uh, a pretty key decision point mm -hmm. here. You can typically get him in the third round right now a lot of the time. You have him 23rd overall, RB13. ADP right now is 31st overall, RB18. So you're pretty significantly higher than market on Miles Sanders. People are going to say, but Evan, Nick Sirianni, the Colts offensive coordinator, I mean, he used a lot of different backs. He used JT, he used Hines, he used... Marlon Mack, of course, he got hurt. He used Jonathan Wilkins even for a little. And now Philly, behind Miles Sanders, has Jordan Howard, has Boston Scott. They used a fifth rounder on a guy we like in Kenneth Gainwell. They claim on Johnson, he of the knee brace, off waivers. And so Nick Sirianni has a lot of running backs to choose from. So talk to me about Miles Sanders. Why are you so much higher than market on him? Yeah, I mean, the issue with those guys behind Miles Sanders, none of them are, are any good. Um you know, I, I like Boston Scott, probably the best of them. 
And he is a guy that was what, like a seventh round slash UDFA uh, coming out and, you know, has kind of been like an overachiever in the NFL carry on Johnson. I mean, he, he can pass block and that's about it. Uh, his knees are shot. Um, Kenneth Gainwell, we do like the idea of Kenny Kenneth Gainwell, but I mean, this is not like a guy that even put up big production in college. He was a day three draft pick. Um, Jordan Howard. I mean, you know, a, a, multiple of these guys are going to get cut mm-hmm. um, with Miles Sanders. I, I think that he's got a, a firm grip on the lead back job in Philly. And I love the combination of, of a dual threat quarterback in Jalen Hurts and what I think has, has a chance to be a dominant offensive line, yeah. uh, another offensive line that's getting a lot of bodies back, added uh, Landon Dickerson, who I think is an absolute stud uh, out of Alabama in the draft. You combine the, those two factors, and I think they have a chance to have a dominant running game. And the Colts did have uh, a, a dominant running game, at least uh, in the second half of last year when they when they fully committed to Jonathan Taylor under Nick Sirianni. So – I'm really looking at the situation here and the likelihood that uh, uh, Miles Sanders, although he, I mean, he, I don't think he's going to be like a true bell cow and I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about how many passes he's going to catch. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I think that he's clearly the best talent in the backfield and that we're going to be able to get a reliable 15 to 18 touches for, uh, per game from him. Yeah, I, I like Miles Sanders in the third round. And you mentioned the offensive line. I mean, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Isaac Samalo. And then, as you said, they use a second-round pick on Landon Dickerson. And they have good competition at left tackle between Dillard, Andre Dillard, and Jordan Mayata also. So, yeah, I think the offensive line, similar to the Cowboys, just by getting healthy is going to make a big difference. Agree with you a little bit concerned with Jalen Hurts in there, how many cats, how many passes Miles Sanders can catch. But, again, I think that's all factored into the ADP. And, and third round makes for – a very sensible target. All right. Melvin Gordon. People's eyebrows can be raised here, Evan. You have Melvin Gordon, 110th overall, the RB39. His ADP, people aren't on Melvin Gordon. I mean, his underdog ADP is 80th, RB30. So you're only about 30 spots behind, quote unquote, only about 30 spots behind on Melvin Gordon. Um, he is in a contract year he signed remember he signed that two-year 16 million dollar deal ahead of the 2020 season I don't think they're going to cut him I know around this time last year we were talking about Leonard Fournette possibly getting cut and that was a reason to be really low on him I don't think it's as likely that Melvin Gordon get cut gets cut but I guess it's maybe possible what do you think about ranking Melvin Gordon so low here yeah that's actually kind of one thought going through my mind is that he might end up getting cut uh they've got you know they signed Mike Boone who is uh, you know, really familiar with the, the Broncos' new GM, George Patton, uh, who helped sign Mike Boone as an undrafted free agent in Minnesota and probably was you know, all along hoping that, he would get an oppor- that Mike Boone would get an, an opportunity in Minnesota, but the Vikings wound up you know, drafting uh, uh, Alexander Madison. He brings him along with him to Denver. They go and trade up for Javante Williams. So Melvin Gordon is sort of in a, in a weird spot right now. He is inherited from the previous front office and the new front office has made two relatively aggressive moves to upgrade at Melvin Gordon's position. And Melvin Gordon was awful last year. Um, so I do think that there's a chance that he could get cut, maybe traded for a seventh round pick or something. If another team suffers an injury at RB, I'm just, 
I'm not confident that he's going to be on the Broncos team right now. And actually, I think that if you are going to draft Melvin Gordon, you're probably hoping that he does go to a different team because right now he's, he's going to get squeezed out. Um, I think he's at at severe risk of getting squeezed out. You probably are hoping that he goes to a team like the dolphins or Atlanta, where he might have a a chance to have a a more, a more clear role. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think one danger of ranking these Broncos guys really low is if you think Aaron Rodgers ends up getting moves. Yes. Yes. And then next thing you know, you're holding, you're holding the bag on being low on Melvin Gordon or Corlin Sutton or Noah Fanter or whatever, or Jerry Judy. Next thing you know, they get Aaron Rodgers, and it's like, oh, man, I really blew it now because I could have had these guys for cheap with Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk more about Aaron Rodgers later, but it's just a thought that goes to my head when we talk about Denver guys for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. When I was looking at, you know, because there's a lot of dudes to rank from Denver. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. you know, multiple receivers, Noah Fan, multiple running backs. Every time you, you look at and tr- sort of, you know, surface level evaluate, the outlook for one of these guys, you're thinking, man, if they get Aaron Rodgers, right. this dude is going to be, you know, we get, we're going to have to rank, you know, move him up like 25 spots. Right. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with that sentiment. Yeah. One other thing on Melvin Gordon is, I mean, last year he was clearly a better goal linebacker than the smallish Philip Lindsay. He was clearly a better pass catcher than Philip Lindsay. But this year, I don't know if it's as clear cut. Like I actually thought Melvin Gordon was okay last year because he would have the high value touches goal line and pass catching. I don't think it's as clear cut this year with Javante and Mike Boone there. Who is the best goal line? Who is the best pass catcher? Last running back, actually second to last running back we're going to talk about here, Trey Sermon. And we've talked about him a lot already on some of the rookie shows that we've done, but you have him 61st overall, RB 27, ADP is 80th overall, RB 31. So you're a little bit ahead of market here, not a ton. I like being ahead of market on Trey Sermon. We've talked about why before they aggressively, I mean, Kyle Shanahan clearly likes this kid, handpicked him. Matt Waldman had him as the number one running back in this class. Yeah, Raheem Mostert is there, who we loved, or at least we loved, Jeff Wilson, Wayne Gallman. But man, I, I mean, Trey Sermon seems like really likely to, we know it's going to be a committee, but he's really likely to take the lead in this committee. So yeah, I like being ahead of market on Trey Sermon right now. I think this is one where before it's said and done, he'll be going more where you have him than where he goes right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, the, the way that I, I construct the top 150 is I try to take stands on guys and everything is really, it comes down to, uh, you know, versus ADP. And at the end of the day, like you should be able to draft off the top 150. I mean, you have to have some nuance. You have to account for the context of, you know, your, your scoring system and, um, you know, what other people are doing in the draft. And, you know, you may want to build in stack uh, stacking uh, situations on your own team and all that. So you definitely have to have nuance, but I want it to be sort of like, you know, Hey, if you didn't do a ton of research coming in, you can grab the top 150. You can read the one-liners. You can do a little bit of extra research on yourself uh, by, you know, on your own, but you should be able to use this as a guide on draft day. And so therefore I'm taking sometimes smaller stands and sometimes bigger stands versus ADP. And I wanted to make sure I, I, you know, I kind of identified Trey Sermon as a guy that I want to be ahead of ADP on uh, throughout this process. So we're starting off a little bit light, um, but I, you know, I feel like the, the market is, is going to move in this direction oh, yeah. and then we're going to probably have to keep moving Trey Sermon up. I mean, Raheem Mostert is, is you know, we, we really like Raheem Mostert and they've got a bunch of other guys there, Jeff Wilson, um, but – 
You know, they, they traded up for Trey Sermon. He is, uh, you know, he played in the wide zone running game in college that, that Kyle Shanahan implements in San Francisco. And I think that they identified this guy. Like, I think that he is uh, a really intriguing bet at 25 to one to win uh, offensive rookie of the year. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, and I, I love what they have. I mean, they're going to have, they're going to be a team with a dual threat quarterback and plus offensive line play. He's just jumping into a really, really, good situation he's another guy I worry about his catch total what is his catch total going to be I mean the 49ers really don't throw to their running backs very often they throw to their tight ends mm-hmm. they throw to their um you know their their run after catch studs at receiver they throw to Kyle Juszczyk Kyle Juszczyk picks up a lot of passing down work um and and so I, I do worry about his catch total but having here him here at RB 27 I think that by August uh, he might be inside the, the, the top 20, but we're, we're starting out ahead of ADP on Trey Sermon. And I expect to stay that way throughout the process. Yeah. I, I like that Trey Sermon for offensive rookie of the year uh, note, by the way, Ryan Reynolds has done a great job with this awards market stuff. You can check that stuff out on the site. I think some of the other running backs are also interesting uh, for rookie of the year, including uh, Javante um, and including Najee Harris. Um, everybody assumes it's going to be quarterbacks. You know, rookie of the year has not gone to, I think Kevin Cole had a tweet, you know, off- offensive rookie of the year has not gone to quarterback nearly as often as people think. It's not like the MVP, which goes to quarterback so, so, so often. All right, last running back we're going to talk about here is Zach Moss. You are pretty far ahead of ADP on Zach Moss. Silva has him 76th overall, the RB31. ADP is 99.6 RB36. And so I, I get it. You know, uh, Zach Moss in theory has the goal line role. The problem is, I mean, Josh Allen ran for eight touchdowns last year. Josh Allen had nine carries inside the five. So having the goal line role for explosive offense is great. But in Buffalo, it's really unique because Josh Allen steals so, so, so many of those goal line carries. So I thought this was a little aggressive on Zach Moss, but I'm willing to be open. What do you think about having so far ahead of ADP on Zach Moss? Well, I think that the Bills, through their their um, their actions last year, kept sort of giving us the indication that, they wanted Zach Moss to take over and become the lead running back. And then, you know, something would happen, um, you know, whether uh, mostly it would be like Zach Moss would get nicked up. And then, you know, all of a sudden Devin Singletary would jump in. He wouldn't be very good. And then, you know, they come back to Zach Moss and they give him an opportunity to grab the, you know, the clear cut lead back. Try. I think that they view Devin Singletary as a change of pace back. And, you know, you look at him on paper and that's probably, you know, what he should be. I mean, he's sub 200 pounds. You know, he's what, like 5'7". Um, and he's not great in the passing game. And he's not um, great in the uh, as a pass protector. And he's had like fumbling issues at times. And, you know, he's, he's just a player that you want to you give the ball to maybe 7 to 11 times in a game. And, and you want to have – but you want to have him be the clear-cut number two. And Zach Moss – uh, and I think that they see Zach Moss as closer to a number one. And Devin Singletary could be threatened by Matt Breida this season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I, you know, Zach Moss is, is built for the lead back role. And I thought that they, they continually gave us signs that they wanted him to capture that last year. And I think they're going to continue to give him those opportunities because they didn't really do anything outside of signing Matt Breida to upgrade their running back core this offseason. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just like, they're going to run the same style they ran last year, which was among the league leaders, if not the league leader and pass rate over expectation, go four wide, 
throw it a ton. And so, you know, it's just not great mm-hmm. um, for the running back right. in that spot. Right. Well, I mean, we, we have him here at RB31, which yeah. is, you know, clear cut. R- I mean, it's like RB3 slash RB4 territory. Yeah. I think that that's a, a proper valuation. But I, I mean, I share all your concerns. Okay. Let's move to some wide receivers. Michael Thomas, you are lower than market on. Michael Thomas Silva has 43rd overall, the wide receiver 18. People still have faith in Michael Thomas, despite Drew Brees moving on. 30.1 ADP wide receiver 10. Pretty steep there for Michael Thomas. At this point, I don't know what you're hearing. All the whispers at this point seem like Jameis is going to head to camp as the favorite to win this job. We have seen Jameis create huge seasons for wide receivers in the past, but I don't know if he creates them in the way that Michael Thomas wins, which is short slants and hitches and this outrageous catch rate. I mean, when Michael Thomas was crushing, his catch rate was at league historic levels. And so that worked well with Breeze and Teddy. I'm not sure it works as well with Jameis. I know it won't work as well with Taysom. So I do like being under market on Thomas. Here you are aggressively under market on him, though. Talk to me about Michael Thomas. Yeah, they, they call him the slant boy. Yeah. You know, so um, I don't know if, uh, it, yeah, is that is that really Jameis's game? You know, and the Saints have a really talented defense, which, by the way, they spent more on in the draft than I think anybody expected. And they really didn't come out with, uh, um, you know, an, an upgrade at, at receiver, which theoretically should work in Michael Thomas's favor. But I just think that the, the way that the team construct is constructed, the way that the team is going to be run in 2021 is going to be very different than how it has been uh, over the past few years. I mean, I think that we're going to see Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston make starts. If Jameis, Will, if Jameis Winston starts throwing the ball to the other team, I mean, Sean Payton is not going to put up with that, mm-hmm. like what Bruce Arians did in, in 2018 or whatever when Jameis led the NFL in, uh, in passing yards. Um, I think it's going to be more of a defensive-oriented team, more of, you know, a, a run-oriented team, Um and, you know, and, you know, that plays musical chairs, potentially at quarterback. They were actually rumored to be very interested in wanting to trade up for Mac Jones. Um, so they know that they st- they have lingering quarterback issues. And um, it, it's not going to be one of these situations, I don't think, especially if Taysom is in there, that Michael Thomas is seeing, you know, 14, 15 targets a game. Yeah. And also touchdown equity for Michael Thomas is going to go down as Taysom steals more and more of those kind of rushes around the goal line out of, the pistol and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I mean, out of the wildcat and pistol and all kinds of crazy things that they would do would taste him down around the goal line. So yeah, I like being lower than market on Michael Thomas. I will say that before it becomes announced, like I think at some point it's going to get announced. It might be in August that Jameis is the starter. I mean, his ADP is going to boom and you're going to be able to get stacks of Jameis if you want them. But you have to be aware, as Evan said, Taysom's going to mix in plenty. Even if Jameis is the starter, Taysom is going to mix in plenty. And so there's some downside there for sure. Kenny Galladay is an interesting one, man. We all love Kenny Galladay's talent. I think Kenny Galladay is awesome. He's awesome to watch. But man, he doesn't see nearly as many targets as people think. Only 7.9 targets in 2018 broke out. 7.2 targets in 2019. Only 6.4 targets in 2020 per game before he went down with his injury. We have him actually right now just around six targets per game with the Giants as he competes for targets with Sterling Shepard. Darius Slayton, Kadarius Tony, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, Kyle Rudolph. Silva has Kenny Galladay far below market, 72nd overall. Underdog ADP is 55th overall. Also, wide receiver 33 for you is Kenny Galladay. He's wide receiver 23 
in ADP. So I assume it's for the reasons that I said that you're low on Kenny Galladay. I think it's a pretty easy fade at this point. It's just hard because the guy is such an outrageous talent. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, I think it's a really big quarterback downgrade going from Matthew Stafford to Daniel Jones and also um, a really big downgrade in terms of uh, for, for Kenny Galladay's sake, the, the target competition within the confines of the offense, you know, there's, there, there are a lot of dudes there. Uh, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph at tight end, Saquon Barkley is back from injury, Sterling Shepard, um, Darius Slayton. And, and so, and, and it wasn't really like that in Detroit. It was really just Marvin Jones and a little bit of Hawkinson and, you know, a little bit of Swift this past year. And, um, but it, you know, Kenny Galladay was the clear, 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 number one I think he is the number one with the Giants but he's jumping into a situation where he's still going to have to fight with, for targets with guys that Daniel Jones has a, a, a high comfort level with already um, and, and also uh, receiving less efficient quarterback play so it, it doesn't add up to a very and then you know how how, how much do you trust you actually trust the offense uh, again coordinated by by Jason Garrett who ran a very mundane offense last year um, so, you know, I, I think that Kenny Galladay is going to mix in some big plays. He's going to mix in, you know, a, I think a small handful of big games, but you're going to get very little consistency out of him. And I think he's going to be a frustrating player to have on your fantasy teams in, in, in 2021. Yep. Okay. Another guy that we got some questions on was Allen Robinson. Um, similar to Kenny Galladay, I think we love, love, love Allen Robinson's talent. I think he's an awesome awesome player but quarterback situation is either going to be Andy Dalton or Justin Fields you have Allen Robinson 40th overall wide receiver 16 ADP is 33rd overall wide receiver 11 and people are already asking you I saw them on Twitter asking you about why you have Allen Robinson lower than market talk to the people yeah so the Bears were eighth in the NFL in pass attempts last year. We were very high on Allen Robinson. I think he we had him a fringe top five wide receiver. He delivered. Um, he was I think he was like what you know, I think he was top three in uh, in targets and catches and um, you know he really benefited from that high volume passing offense that the Bears ran with primarily Nick Foles to a, to a little bit uh, of an extent with Mitch Trubisky, but I mean, they, they aired it out. I don't think that they're going to finish anywhere near top eight in pass attempts this year with Justin Fields at quarterback. I think that they're going to run the ball with Justin Fields. I think they gained uh, confidence and trust in their own running game uh, with what David Montgomery did down the stretch, albeit uh, definitely uh, uh, pumped up by, a really weak schedule of run defenses, like the, the optimal schedule down the stretch. But still, I think that they're going to have trust in their running game. And they are, and you know, they're going to understand that Justin Fields has these dual threat qualities and they're going to take advantage of those as opposed to, you know, let, like last year where they would let Nick Foles get out there and throw 40 pass attempts in a game. Like, I don't think that they're going to do that with Justin Fields. So in my little one-liner, and I think I know that this caught at least um, a, a couple people's eye, that I, I pointed out that I, I think that the, there, there will be a reduction in passing volume in Chicago this year. They're going to lean more on their running game, lean more on, on the defense that is still pretty good, uh, be a little bit conservative with Justin Fields' drop, uh, drop back totals, and, th and then Allen Robinson is going to suffer a little bit from that 
uh, in the box score this year. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not too much lower than, than market on Allen Robinson. I, I think that I, I have him in a good place. I'm a little bit lower than on Mark than, than market on Allen Robinson. Uh, but I, I feel okay about that. Okay. Yeah. I have no problem with that whatsoever. There's so many wide receivers to choose from. We'll talk about uh, some of the targets that we have at wide receiver in rounds three, four and stuff like that on another podcast. Let's move to tight ends. George Kittle, Evan, this one's going to raise some eyebrows, man, because you have George Kittle as the tight end three. And I mean, everybody's just going to default to Kittle and Kelsey as their top two tight ends. You have George Kittle 38th overall, the tight end three ADP is 21st overall, the tight end two. And so obviously your tight end two is Darren Waller, who, um, you know, was spectacular again last year. But this one's going to raise some eyebrows. I will say our projection right now in terms of targets per game is George Kittle 7.2, Darren Waller 8.1. So we do have Darren Waller projected for pretty significantly more targets than George Kittle. Obviously, we're talking about a much different supporting cast around George Kittle than there is around Darren Waller. But yeah, I assume you knew that ranking Waller ahead of Kittle was going to raise some eyebrows. What were you thinking? Yeah, and I get it. Um, But I'm because George Kittle is, you know, an an absolute baller. But Darren Waller, I mean, the the Raiders really didn't do anything to change their 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 pass catcher core to make it so that or the 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 construct of their of their passing offense to make it so that we should ha- lower our expectations really whatsoever for Darren Waller. I mean, Darren Waller is Derek Carr's dude at every level of the field. You know, in the red zone, deep near the goal line, you know, out in the open field between the twenties. I mean that, that he's and and. You know, people struggle to, to – I mean, defenses struggle to cover Darren Waller consistently. And um, I, I don't I don't see any reason why that would change. I mean, they, they did swap out Nelson Aguilar. They brought in John Brown. I think that's largely uh, a wash. And then in San Francisco, um, you know, Debo Samuel is back. And, uh, uh, you know, they uh, – and, and they're, the quarterback situation, again, I think that this is going to be a situation where the 49ers are going to want to run the ball – down people's throats and uh and and you know try to limit trey lance and they're going to try to get him in there sooner rather than later and limit his pass attempts and use him on the ground because he's a another dynamic dual threat uh talent and george kittle is so valuable also in their running game he's going to be a bit he's going to be a big part of that but i Mm -hmm. think that you know darren waller could easily end up with 50 more targets than george kittle in 2021 yeah. And again, that's how we have it in projection with Waller about one more target per per game on average. And that obviously adds up to a lot in projections. So, yeah, I don't I don't think it's that crazy uh, at all, especially I mean, Brandon Ayuk and Debo are going to soak up a lot, a lot of targets there. Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, man, I mean. I can't believe where he's going. If you're doing a draft right now, Kyle Pitts is coming off as the tight end four, four, 57th overall now you have Kyle Pitts way down tight end tight end 10 91st overall let me read you the guys you have ahead of Kyle Pitts obviously the big three we just talked about then Mark Andrews TJ Hawkinson Tyler Higby Noah Fant Dallas Goddard Evan Ingram so I think you're going to lose I think people are going to be fine tight end four is ridiculous people are also going to say tight end 10 is crazy too especially if you factor in 
these Julio Jones rumors where Peter King came out on Monday and said he thinks there's a 60% chance. And, you know, Peter King says all kinds of crazy things in his column all the time, but he at least thinks there's a 60% chance that Julio Jones does get traded. And honestly, I think it would be kind of be a sharp move for the Falcons. It'd be tough. He's such a great player. He's been with the franchise for so long. I kind of think it'd be sharp for them to move on from Julio a year early rather than a year late and get something pretty significant in return. So there's some danger there. If Julio leaves, Pitts is obviously going to get a big, big, big boost. So anyways, I've said a lot here. Talk to people about your Kyle Pitts rank. The Kyle Pitts mob is going to be quite angry with you. Yeah, I don't know what the benefit at this point would be for the Falcons to move on from Julio Jones. I mean, they, they, they need to run it all out there. I mean, yeah, you, you, you held on to Matt Ryan. You didn't draft the quarterback, you know, at number four, um, you know, you're, you're bringing back what I, I think is going to be a pretty good offensive line. Um, I got these, uh, these Falcons or these Matt Ryan MVP futures out here. Um, so I, I'm definitely, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I don't see why they would move on well, from Julio Jones. It, it would be, I don't get it. What percent chance do you think they have to win the Super Bowl? I think it's like, maybe, maybe like 3%, maybe that's, you know, and if it's that low, well, then we might as well try to get a first or second round pick for Julio Jones right now and get ready for the future. Well, I don't think they could get a first round pick for Julio Jones and I would a second really next year. I mean, what, what's that yeah. really going to do? I, I, no, I think they need to go for it. I, I think they're going to be awesome on offense. Yeah. And they really don't have very much wide receiver depth. I mean, you're talking about Russell Gage and then, you know, those guys that they were trotting out last year, Blake Zacchaeus. and Zacchaeus. I mean, that's that's rough. That, that's yeah. real, real rough. Um, and, and, you know, they've got this opportunity to take, a, I think, a big step forward offensively, actually going from Dirk Cutter to Arthur Smith. And they don't have too much on defense, so they're going to need to score – you know, 35 a game to, to hang around. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think it makes sense to, to trade Julio Jones. So that's kind of where my bet is right now. So they're, they're going to be returning Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, and then Kyle Pitts, uh, who, who they added. And I mean, the, you know, the, I understand that Kyle Pitts has a chance to be a true unicorn, but man, the history of rookie tight ends is dismal. Uh, and I, I think he's going to have a good rookie season, but not to the extent that he's going to be able to compete to be a top five fantasy tight end uh, in, in, in this offense. Yeah. It's just the draft capital, man. And you know, nobody has sunk ever has sunk this kind of draft capital into the tight end position. And so, yeah, you know, I, I'm with you on thinking tight end four is outrageous. I think I would have him probably behind Hawkinson, maybe TE seven TE eight, but yeah, I mean, We'll see on the Julio stuff. Should be really, really interesting if they do. If they do, what if somebody offers them a first round pick? It's possible. I mean, never know. Okay. Tyler Higby. Uh, I like this, man. Silva is way, way, way above market on Tyler Higby. 74th overall, the tight end six. ADP is 110th overall, tight end 10. I mean, obvious stuff here. Gerald Everett is gone. Matthew Stafford is in. Josh Reynolds is gone as well. And as I've said so many times on here before, like you just don't find tight ends who are at least capable of doing what Tyler Higby did at the end of the 2019 season, four consecutive 100-yard games, five games with seven-plus catches to end the year. So yeah, pretty easy layup here for me to make Tyler Higby a really strong tight end target, and you can get him pretty late. I mean, you can you can wait till the seventh, eighth round and be really confident you're going to get Tyler Higby. 
this is a situation where, you know, again, I don't think that anybody should be drafting verbatim off the top 150 right now. But one thing that you should be doing right now is taking Tyler Higby in every single draft. Be willing to take him two rounds above his ADP. Just put him on your team. He's in an incredible situation right now. Uh, I think the Rams have a, have a chance to take a, a, a big leap offensively, upgrading from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. Higby is – you know, essentially without tight end competition right now. They did draft Bryson Hopkins uh, last year. I thought it was a pretty good prospect coming out of Purdue. I'm sure that he'll handle some of the duties left behind by Gerald Everett. But I think that we're going to see Higby as a, as a very close to an every down player um, with upgraded quarterback play. And I think that this is going to be the breakout that everybody thought would happen last year. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Let's talk about some quarterbacks. So you were on it, man. You have been the quarterback whisperer. Last year, you had Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback one ahead of Lamar Jackson when everybody else had the opposite. I mean, almost everybody had Lamar Jackson as the quarterback one. You had Mahomes. That turned out to be right. This year, I think most people are going to have Mahomes as the quarterback one. This year, you're going back to Lamar Jackson as your quarterback one. In fact, uh, Kyler Mahomes and then Josh Allen. Um, on underdog right now, Lamar is being drafted as the quarterback four behind Kyler Mahomes and Josh Allen. So talk to me about the quarterback because you've been on it. Talk to me about making Lamar the QB one. Yeah. These guys at the top are so close. Um, Kyler's in there too. I think that Josh Allen, uh, is in there too. So I just kind of went contrarian on, you know, what the ADP was because they're all in the same tier. And so I just put Lamar as the, as the quarterback one for now, I, we're going to tweak this. I don't know if I might, might change my mind at some point, but I'm going into this with um, running out Lamar Jackson. I mean, I think that when I have, when I have them uh, like listed in the top 150, they're going to be awfully, awfully close, if not all next to each other. Uh, but that's, I don't know. That, that's, that's just what I'm doing for now. I guess I don't have a great explanation because they're, they're so tightly. It's just, you could put four names in a hat I mean, I thought about putting Kyler as, as the quarterback one uh, at one point as well. I just, they're, they're so tightly knit. Yeah. I, and I mean, obviously adding Rashad Bateman, hopefully getting a better year out of Mark Andrews. They add Sammy Watkins. And then of course, Lamar has just this absolutely unparalleled rushing upside. By the way, Lamar is 16 to one to be the MVP right now. Kyler is 20 to one. And so, you know, Lamar coming off of a year where he was the favorite the reigning mvp to now get 16 to 1 i think that's pretty interesting i mean matthew stafford is 14 to 1 now you may have something to do with this but matthew stafford is all the way down to 14 to 1 now i mean there's no planet on earth where i think matthew stafford should have shorter odds than lamar jackson to be the mvp do you agree with that yeah i would not be betting the stafford mvp right now yeah i mean come on that's crazy by the way we mentioned the offensive rookie of the year while i have it up here Najee harris is 10 to 1 um trey sermon is 25 to 1 and Travis Etienne is 25 to one. So if you think it's not going to be one of the quarterbacks, obviously the quarterbacks are all the favorites, but Najee is going to touch the ball close to 300 times. Uh, we think Trey Sermon's going to have an excellent year in efficiency, at least. Javante is 25 to one. Etienne is 25 to one. You know, there's some value there for sure. If you think that one of the quarterbacks is not going to be offensive rookie of the year. All right. Last thing I want to talk about here is, is not really player specific, 
but how hard was it? What was you think? What were you thinking when you're ranking the Packers stuff? You have Rodgers as QB 12, Devontae Adams as wide receiver seven, Aaron Jones running back 10, Robert Tunyon tight end 13. Obviously, if we knew Aaron Rodgers was fine and playing 17 games this year for the Packers, all those guys would be way, 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 way higher. I mean, it's a hard situation right now. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has much leverage, but dude is like, I don't know. He seems pretty hard-headed. And so I don't know where you're at right now and thinking what's going to happen with this stuff, but how hard is it? How hard was it to rank? And what were you thinking when you were ranking the Packer, Packers? Guys? Yeah, it was, it was really hard. Um, and, and every time that I would, you know, consider uh, placing a, a Packer skill position player, I would lean toward the negative because what we are continuing to hear is that this is not a situation that can be solved by money. Um, you know, and so very often these situations with a disgruntled player is due to money and, and, you know, the organization can step in and just give them some more money, make them feel more loved. You know, he can go, you know, buy his parents a, a new house, you know, et, et cetera, et cetera, a new car, whatever. And, you know, they can solve things that way so very often. But what we, what we continue to hear is that it's not about the money with Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, why would it be? Because, I mean, the dude is – I mean, he's, he's set for life, doesn't mm-hmm. even have a, have a relationship with his family, um, apparently. And, um, you know, and he can go do this thing, which he seems really into, the, this, the Jeopardy thing uh, for a year, you know, and, and truly pull the, the Carson Palmer and, and retire and, and get, get his – you know, get away from the, the Green Bay organization, the front office that he, he clearly has had a, a major falling out with. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know, I mean – that's the, that's the story right now. And so I continually uh, lean toward the negative rather than the optim- optimistic side of, of the, these outlooks for these Packers skill position players because of what we continue to hear about why Aaron Rodgers is taking this stance. Yeah. And people are going to say, oh, this is the same thing. Why doesn't Aaron Rodgers understand with the Jordan Love stuff? This is the same thing that happened with Brett Favre. You know, the difference is at least I, from what I can tell is that a lot of people don't think Jordan Love can play like there's like you know really uh bad signs out there from around the packers that they don't think jordan love is anywhere near yeah where actually Rogers that's was. one thing that i i did um as as i was uh as i was finalizing this stuff i went back and read some uh, uh beat reports about uh jordan love in camp last year and uh yeah. you know you, anybody can google those and i mean he was really really struggling according to multiple beat writers it wasn't you know uh fans will sometimes like try to uh, pretend that you know a team uh, a team reporter like has a bias against the team so he reports negatively now this was a situation where it was multiple beat reporters watching Jordan Love in practice and being like woof this guy yeah. is not ready right. and, and and I wonder if you know the Packers trading up to, for Jordan Love and then trotting him out on the same practice field as Aaron Rodgers pissed Aaron Rodgers off even more so and, and so he gets out there and he sees Jordan Love and he's like what is this yeah, you know, exactly. and that pisses him off even more. <laughs> yeah, and, and well, I mean, and then you know, and the, the the Packers showed their hand because they had um, uh, Tim Boyle as the active number two quarterback yeah. I think th- for the entire season over yeah. Jordan Love, who was the inactive third quarterback. So they knew they they know this this guy this guy is not ready. Right, exactly. Big, big, big trouble if this Aaron Rodgers thing doesn't get resolved. And also, Devontae Adams came out yesterday. He's in a contract year. You know, if Aaron Rodgers is there, Devontae Adams said, well, you know what? Aaron Rodgers is my guy. I might move on. And if you, it's hard to blame him, too. I mean, so much of his stats and money is dependent on quarterback 
as well. I will say this in best ball. I mean, you can create these teams now for very cheap Packer stacks for very, very cheap. In other words, like you can have the Rogers, Devante, Tanyan stack for and not spend the first round pick on Roger on Devante, not spend a fourth round pick on on Rogers, not spend a seventh round pick on on Tanyan. You know what I mean? And so you have this stack. And then you also have a first round pick, a fourth round pick, a seventh round pick, where later, if the Rodgers thing gets resolved, you won't have those. And so you have a leg up on all those teams that create Packers stacks later. All right. We've said it all. Silva's first top 150 is out. You've heard who he is higher on, who he is lower on. He'll continue to tweak that. Obviously, those are baked into our top 300 rankings for every format that is up right now in the draft kit. Again, head to establishingrun.com to check out everything we have in the draft kit and everything that is to come. We'll be back on Thursday with old friend Josh Norris to make fun of him some more for his victory lap over his mock draft triumph. We will be also talking rookie landing spots. Ongoing victory lap too. Ongoing. I mean, he hasn't let it go. <laughs> the never ending, it's a victory marathon. The never ending <laughs> victory marathon. We'll have him on on Thursday to talk some rookie landing spots. We'll see you guys then. For producer Luke, for Evan, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.